Our New Testament lesson for today comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. I invite you to hear with me the word of God. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. You read one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. Wow, you memorize it, will you? Yeah. No, Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 4. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of my favorites, you know, and since I'm going to retire, I'm just going to repeat all of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and I have been asked uh, to um, review the scriptural plan of salvation uh, because of the simplicity in which I like to verbalize it so I can remember it. And uh, I was asked, would you, would you do that again? Because it, it's gotten away from me. Well, and it does. Doesn't talking about the faith leak a little bit? And we need to remind ourselves. That's why we come back to church week after week, day in, day out, so that we can be reminded of the basic tenets of the faith and we can share the good news that God has given us. And so I'm going to do that today, next Sunday and the following Sunday. And then on the, when's Super Bowl? It's the 12th. That's Scout Sunday. But nevertheless, on Scout Sunday, I'm going to give my Super Bowl prediction. Well, it'll be the Chiefs. You already know that. So, <clears throat> but anyway, so today and for the next two Sundays, I want to review that plan of salvation. Um, in 1 Peter 3.15, we read, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is within you. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is within you. And so uh, I want to do that. And then uh, I'll do it the Gary Brooks way, if that's okay. I'll refer to uh, our, our founder, John Wesley. Uh, but uh, um, this is how Gary Brooks makes sense of it and keeps it simple so I can remember it. And if it's useful to you, then um, praise the Lord. If not, uh, it's okay. Um, so, but we begin with the golden text of the Bible. And the golden text is John three sixteen, And I invite you to stand as we share it as our gospel reading this morning. And if you know it with me, I like to say it from the King James Version um, because that's the one that has the ring that helps me remember it. And it goes like this. Say it with me if you want. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life or life everlasting. And then verse 17 is so important. You got to keep it with verse 16 because it shares God's first 
purpose. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Are you listening? This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. You may be seated. He rode about 225,000 miles on horseback on roads that were not very well traveled, sometimes just a path going through the countryside, and uh, in weather that was often inclement and unfavorable, but he did it anyway. He would often preach his first sermon at 5 a.m. in the morning, which I have never done, nor do I ever intend to do. And wherever he could get a hearing, he would share the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about John Wesley, our founder, who back in the 1700s, that was a long time ago, stirred into flame a new passion for the gospel of God's grace in England. In fact... He became so enthusiastic and so many people were flocking to hear him that people in the churches got a little jealous, the, the Anglican priests and the archbishops and that kind of thing. They did not like the ruckus he was causing in the renewal efforts that he was about and so often they would shut their doors against him and they would not allow him to preach and uh, he had a burning in his bones that wouldn't quit and so he would literally... Take to the open air. Wherever someone would, would listen, he would preach on the streets. He would go down to the mines. And he would even go into some of the rat-infested tenements. And he would talk about the love of God, which casts out all fear and which forgives us of our sins. It was a powerful expression. And you know what? The people that founded this church named it after the day John Wesley felt his heart strangely warmed. I'm wearing the t-shirt, as a matter of fact. If you'd like to get a t-shirt like this, let us know. We need to have another run and get some more t-shirts. I call it witnessing without saying a word. Someone asked me not too long ago, Aldersgate? What does Aldersgate mean? And I like to go, how much time you got? And I'm quite pleased to tell them. It's an excellent entry point. You know, what do you say when someone calls you to give a defense for the hope that is within you? Uh, but here's what you can say. I go to Aldersgate Church. Well, what does Aldersgate mean? Well, let me tell you about Aldersgate. May 24th, 1738, on a street called Aldersgate in London, England, there was a man by the name of John Wesley who went to a Bible study. And at that Bible study, they were reading from the preface to Luther's letter to the Romans. Now, I've been to seminary. I know all the right stuff. I even had to read that preface to... Anyway, don't read it. It's boring. Luther was, was, was a world changer. He was a reformer. But it, this one was boring. I, I go, John Wesley, what did you see in that? But about a quarter before nine, while he was reading, John Wesley writes in his journal, I felt my heart strangely 
transformed. I felt I could trust Christ to forgive my sins as well as the sins of the whole world. And we remember that evening as John Wesley's heartwarming experience which propelled him out to the highways and byways of England to preach wherever he could to tell of the good news of God's grace. He called it the scriptural way of salvation. Wow. It's powerful. So if you want a t-shirt, you can do that and then you can tell that story and then you can invite them, hey, come on over. We have warm hearts and we have active hands. In fact, this year at our church conference, we adopted a vision statement for 2023 that reflects that and I'd like for you to learn it. Would you do that with me? It's not too hard. Aldersgate, a place of warm hearts and active hands. Would you say that? Aldersgate, a place of warm hearts and active hands where lives are transformed through God's Word and Spirit. Where lives are transformed through God's Word and Spirit. Some of you remember Pastor Kyle Reynolds. He helped craft the words of the last part of that vision statement. It was John Wesley that helped craft the first part. I felt my heart strangely warmed. And he felt he could trust Christ, that his sins were completely forgiven. And because of that, he couldn't help himself but to serve and to help and to reach out in love and concern for the world. So what do you say when someone comes up to you and say, well, what is it that you believe? Long ago, I decided I had to keep it simple because my little mind doesn't think in lots of... Um, high uh, ecclesiastical uh, terminology. So I have to keep it simple. And you can keep it simple too. If you tuck these words into your heart, I think you will have a way to describe your faith. It's really very simple. The scriptural way of salvation begins with God. God created us good. Would you say that? God created us good. See, you can remember that. Back in the beginning, in Genesis 1 and 2, we can read all about the story about how God uh, formed the, the heavens and the earth, and he put the moon and the stars in their places and the sun, and he brought forth life on this planet. And after each day of creation, what did God say? It is good. And then God said, hmm, I think I will make human life. And so what did God do? He took dust out of the ground and he formed it and he molded it and he breathed into it the breath of life, ruah, the first mention of God's spirit in the scriptures and we became living beings. And you know what God said after that? God said, it is very good. So say that next time you walk into the bathroom, first thing in the morning, flip on the light, look in the mirror and go, yuck! I don't want you to say yuck anymore. I want you to practice. God created me good. I am worthy. I am wonderful. I am created in God's image. If you want to know what God looks like, look at me. There's a little bit right here. 
John Wesley would say that God's grace brought us into being, and God's grace wears a human face. Think about that. And if indeed it is true that we are made in the image of God, then if we want to know who God is, then we need to get acquainted with as many people as we can possibly get to know from every persuasion, from every culture, from every race, from every nation. <sighs> the big ones, the little ones, the skinny ones, the, the, it's everybody. The more people that you can get to know, the better picture you will have of God's creative goodness. God created us good. Would you say that? God created us good. <clears throat> now, it didn't all stay that way. All you have to do is read the headlines for this morning. My land, did you hear about another shooting in California? And, and updates on the war in Ukraine? It's just heart-wrenching. And then to, to, to note that down through history, we have done unspeakable evil to one another. And, and, and then there's the, the lure to, to, to cheat on our taxes, the lure to, to, to uh, ignore the law, the lure to, to lie. Oh, my land, there's a lot of lying going on by some of the most important people that we have in our world. A lot of lying going on. You can imagine a, a child asking their parent, why? Why are things so bad? And they say, well, let me tell you, and when God created the heavens and the earth, there was a tree that was planted in the garden. Because God did not want to make puppets out of you and me. God wanted to create us so that we have the ability to think for ourselves, to make moral choices on our own. And so in order for us to make moral choices, there had to be the ability to turn our back and go the other way. And that's why when Adam and Eve were told they had everything in all of the world that they knew that was good for the eyes and for life and for eating and living the best, there was just one thing. In the middle of the garden is a little tiny tree. Just stay away from that. So when a child would ask their parent, why is there evil in the world? They can tell that story. Well, once upon a time, there was an Adam and an Eve, and there was a tree, and they couldn't resist. Kind of like the cookie in the cookie jar. The lottery ticket at the checkout line is brightly displayed. Oh, I hate it when I go to, to Quick Trip and I buy a candy bar. I want to get a candy bar and I, I'm in a hurry. And so I go up to check out and I, I can't check out because somebody's ahead of me buying 15 lottery tickets. And I get all bent out of shape. Well, I'm already bent out of shape and I really didn't need that candy bar. And you can see how it kind of gets insidious when sin entered the world and things got a little bit messed up. And there are times that we participate in it. There are times that others perpetrate it and it affects us. And there are times that bad things happen to good people. Well, let's just put it this way because uh, we don't have all the time in the world that we messed it up. So God created us good. Would you say that? God created us good. We messed it up. 
we messed it up. Yeah. Do I need to say more about we messed it up? You know, I, I, it, someone has said, you know, when people come to church, they don't need to be condemned to hell for all of their sins and waywardness. They already painfully are aware of that. We look back in our lives and we see the, the baggage and the luggage and the stuff we carry around from our past that we can't shake off. When we come to church, we know we've messed it up. What we need to hear is what filled John Wesley with a passion that wouldn't quit, that would get him on his horse, whether it's raining and storming or whether the sun was blistering, to set out to share the good news that there is a God who looks at us and sees the waywardness and the mess and loves us still. That sends goosebumps down my back. Loves us still. Which means that in spite of all that has transpired and all that we experience in our world, and the realities we face, God loves us and looked at us and said, you're worthy. Jesus made it right. That's the third thing you need to know. Now say it with me. God created us good. God created us good. We messed it up. We messed it up. Jesus made it right. Jesus made it right. You know, in all of those places that the Apostle Paul talks about how bad we are, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, well, in verse 24, he says, but we are made right with God through the redemption and the forgiveness which is in Christ Jesus. In Romans 6.23, when he says the wages of sin is death, in verse 24, he says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 7, he says, Who will free me from this, this uh, body of sin and death? And then he gives thanks because it's Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what people come to church to hear we know we've blown it. We know that life is messed up. We know that what we've got to face in the coming week isn't going to be the best. But we know that the best is with us through it all. And that's Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus when this uh, closet uh, believer of the Pharisees came to him by night, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's what led the great apostle to say to his friends at Colossae, uh, God has delivered us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have the forgiveness of our sins. He has delivered us 
like taking us out of the muck and the mire from which we can't save ourselves. He's grabbed us up and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son and said, you are mine. And that's why I love Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 which uh, Daniel read a moment ago. But God who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he has loved us even when we were dead through our trespasses. And if you look up the Greek, the word that is translated dead means stone cold, lifeless, beyond the ability to resuscitate. Paddles won't work anymore. And made us alive together with him. And made us to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved. By God's grace. So that when you go home and you look in the mirror, you can like what you see. And you can have a personal experience to share with others about what God has done for you. Receive it. Believe it. Live it. Would you say it once more with me? God created us good. God created us good. We messed it up. We messed it up. Jesus made it right. Oh, I'm out of time, Daniel. Uh, next week. Yeah, see, when, when you talk about Jesus made it right, that talks about getting our souls into heaven. That's all we need. It's by the power of Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about getting heaven into our souls. See you then.